This is Kincaid and Breckenridge, the podcast highlight show from today's broadcast. Uh, we had our friend Charles Adler on to talk about uh, Brad Wall sticking up for the hardworking Western Canadians and where's Premier Rachel Notley in all of this. Well, we also talked about Premier Rachel Notley and some comments she made over the weekend about uh, what Ottawa needs to do to, to help Alberta and a lot of reaction from people about uh, where, where they stand uh, on Rachel Notley and whether she's acting as a champion for Alberta and Albertans. You can listen to Kincaid and Breckenridge. We're on weekdays, 9.30 to 12.30 right here on News Talk 770. Kate and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Welcome back. Uh, best ride from Disneyland? I feel like we could just intersperse real quick vacation stories in. Uh, best ride? I don't know. It'd be tough to pick one. There, there's some really good ones. I, I really like the Tower of Terror. As Patrick just said, Tower of Terror was great. Uh, that Indiana Jones, I was, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I thought, wow, that was a great ride. The uh, California Screaming Roller Coaster is pretty good. So, there is, you go. Is it true that you're going to be a guest on Randy Sharman's program? I should be. His travel show this be. weekend, <laughs> the informed traveler. He's looking for someone. <laughs> All right, let's get back to to business here. Um, we've uh, well, let's just bring Charles into this. Charles, it's so funny, right? Hey, Charles, welcome to the program. Great to have you back. Hey. I feel I, feel, I felt like I could do this whole preamble thing that uh, precedes chatting with a guest, but uh, <laughs> I don't think we need to do that with you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, some, uh, I, you know, it's funny in, in, in many ways. It doesn't matter. We could grow up in, in different uh, parts of the world and have different experiences, but on, on some things, our instincts are always the same. Uh, with, with certain guests, you, you want to do a whole bunch of preamble and, and explanation and whatever, and then you get other guests where you just want to kind of dive into the pool immediately. Yeah, no kidding. Well, let's dive in here because, uh, you know, I think that the comments from Brad Wall, the Premier of Saskatchewan, uh, were probably on our minds uh, all weekend long. And here's a guy who's basically looking at the political landscape in, uh, uh, in, in Canada and saying, guys, we got to go this way. This is what's best for my province. You guys are all going the wrong way. Well, you know, I knew that he really hit a, a home run more, more like a grand slam when I, I simply tweeted uh, that the good. This, this was my tweet. Uh, the good news is uh, Brad Wall is looking out uh, for Western, uh, hardworking Western Canadians. That, that's all I did. It's a real simple statement, and some people would go, "Well, duh." But but sometimes you know people need to have that duh reinforced, and I just looked at it a few seconds ago, knowing that I was coming on the air with you guys, and it's now got over five hundred eighty thousand impressions. <laughs> so we're talking about hundreds of thousands of, of Canadian eyeballs are looking at this duh, and it, it's an important message to them because when when people you know I mean the national headline this morning is ballooning deficits. Uh, it'll be at uh, twenty billion dollars next year. That's even without the stimulus, with the stimulus, about $30 billion. You know, sooner or later, no matter how people want to sort of bend over backwards and give the new administration in Ottawa uh, some latitude, some honeymoon, some goodwill, some whatever, you know, at some point things get awfully serious, and they're serious right now. And nobody can say that the energy patch is irrelevant. Nobody anymore uh, with, with, with a molecule of IQ can say that. And so when uh, Brad Wall, who does, I think, speak for the Average, hardworking Western Canadian says, just, guys, hold your horses. I, I know you love the planet and you want uh, the people in Paris, all of these energy diplomats and uh, climate diplomats to applaud you. I, I know that it feels good, Mr. Trudeau, but things are getting serious. And no, you can't make it even tougher uh, for energy uh, to A, find a market, and B, 
be as marketable as possible. Well, this is getting quite a response from people uh, on on Twitter since since you tweeted it uh, a couple days ago. Uh, out here, I mean, Brad Wall. We we hear about Brad Wall a lot. Of, a lot of people here in Alberta uh, have that that Saskatchewan envy. That why why don't we have somebody like Brad Wall? Where where's Alberta's leader? Where's Alberta's champion? What what is it about this guy that that's resonating with people? Well, I, I think the the real simple story with Brad Wall is he is he continues to be connected uh, to real people. I mean, I could go on forever about how much I love uh, country music and roots music and how Colton Wall is is now about to do business. With, with 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 one of the great producers of all time, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Rick Rubin, and I'm sure both you and Roger know who exactly who he is. Oh, yeah. the, 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 the larger point here is, without going you know all over Hex Half Acre, is that Brad Wall connects with real people, where so many other political leaders are so much more concerned about connecting with certain interest groups, with certain academics, with certain international organizations. So, bottom line, Brad Wall isn't into it for the ego of being seen as uh, the guy who's feted at all of those uh, kinds of places where where Nobel Prize winners hang out, whatever. You know, the simple word for it is the elites. Bradwall doesn't give a rat's rear end about the elites. Bradwall just wants to do what he's paid to do, which is to be a public servant. I mean, what a concept. You're actually involved in public service because that's your job. Yeah. You know, Daniel Smith's got a great story about Brad Wall. Apparently he'll sit at the back of the airplane and try to get on last so that he's like walking past everybody. And he <laughs> says hi to people and they see that he's sitting in, in coach with them and stuff like that. Um, you know, something, something about, uh, about what Brad Wall, the message that he's sending right now. He's got two things and I want to run both of these by you because I just don't understand why there's any murk in the water here for, uh, uh, or wax in the ears of a lot of Canadians who don't want to hear it. One is he's talking about a carbon tax that would kneecap the economy. Um, at the same time, he's saying, look, don't compound a problem that everybody else is putting on top of themselves. If these provinces want to put in their own carbon taxes, don't put in another one on top of it or another one beside it. Just let us all drown ourselves if we want to. But the second thing is that when he's asking for help, he's not asking for a check. He's asking for like uh, the, the federal government to get behind a project that would put people to work in his own province, like cleaning up these well sites. Why, why is his message falling on such deaf ears? People don't want to hear it. Because uh, this country, especially, and I, I hate to play this East-West game. I'm from the East. I'm a, you know, patriotic Canadian. I'm not involved in any separatist movement. I'm not for separation. I'm not for any of those things. But it just it frustrates the the heck out of me uh, that we still have this pylon going on uh, in Central and Eastern Canada. For some reason, they keep wanting to pile on uh, the energy industry, even. Today, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that some number uh, gets people in the eyeballs in, in, in Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa, and they start realizing that all of these experts telling them that the energy uh, thing, as they call it, the energy thing isn't really a, a big thing, that Canada's about much more than energy and it's about much more than Alberta. I think when they see the deficit climbing toward $30 billion, they start to realize that energy is a really big thing and it's time to stop piling on. As as soon as the pylon stops, everything will get better. But right now, whether it's the issue about the pipelines or the issue about the carbon taxes, they continue to do the pylon because uh, the energy is, I'll just say what they, what they say in the East, as, as painful as this is to listen to, for anyone listening to us right now in Calgary and southern and central Alberta, energy is the new tobacco. Oh, God. 
Well, contrast then as as you see it, uh, Brad Wall and and Rachel Notley, because I I think uh, ostensibly on some of the issues, right? they they both support Energy East, uh, these kinds of things. They're both looking for uh, some some help from Ottawa, at least some recognition of what their their respective provinces are going through. Um, Rachel Notley's playing a, a quieter game, as she sees it. It's it's the more diplomatic game, but I think a lot of Albertans see it as as a failure of of leadership. Do you see it that way? I do see it as a failure of leadership. I see it as a failure of leadership when uh, when the prime minister says uh, he doesn't want to be a champion, he wants to be a referee. Excuse me, you you need to be a champion. That that that's your that that's your point. I think he used the term cheerleader. I use the word champion. Yes, you've got to be a champion for Canada. Yes, you've got to be a champion for for resources. Uh, And you're not being terribly resourceful by standing in the way. And uh, while Rachel Notley may may fancy herself uh, to be some sort of a diplomat, uh, and I have a ton of respect for her character and a ton of respect for her talent and her toolkit, but... At some point, I just have to say uh, to Rachel Notley what I think most Albertans and most Western Canadians would say to Rachel Notley. Uh, you're not Secretary General of the United Nations. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. When does she, by the way, when does Rachel Notley have to step off the carbon tax that she's bringing in here and say it clearly didn't work? Like, I, I think Brad Wall gets this luxury of, of seeing Rachel Notley uh, go down the coal mine as the proverbial canary to, to say we're going to do this carbon tax idea. We're going to show the world how responsible we are as an energy producer, and they are going to, to recognize that and start giving us access to these markets. Well, here she brought it in, and her one of her best friends, Christy Clark, in the New West Partnership still has the same conditions about pipelines going to BC Tidewater. So when does she say, "Okay, it didn't work. Let's not make, uh, let's not compound the problem now." Well, at some point, she has got to stop uh, waking up in the morning wondering how it is that she can get the approval of uh, all of the approved of groups around the world. I mean, it's, it's no different than anything else we do in life as professionals. I mean, we can we can spend all of our time uh, paranoid about not getting enough approval from enough of our friends and just simply put that aside and, and do our job. I mean, that, that's why Brad Wall is popular. It's, he's not popular because the Saskatchewan economy is revving on all eight cylinders. He's not popular because he was just elected premier a year or two ago. He's been in there since 2007. You know, in, the, in, 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 in modern parlance, I mean, he's been in there uh, forever. Uh, he's not the, the new kid in town. He's not the new shiny object. He's just doing his job. And your job, whether you're a premier of Saskatchewan or a premier of Alberta, is to look out for your own people, not constantly seeking the approval of international organizations. So this talk about, you know, wanting the world to respect Alberta and all the rest of it, I mean, you know, stop focusing on the PR and, and, and just do the job. And if the world doesn't respect Alberta uh, for being a, a growing market, uh, with intelligent, resourceful people uh, developing a product that the entire world needs, if some people in the world don't respect that, that's their problem. But she cannot make a PR problem, uh, a, 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 a problem for the economy. I mean, the, the economy and public relations are sometimes on two different tracks. And maybe when times are good and unemployment is at, at 1% and everybody can afford a half-million-dollar home, uh, maybe that's a good time to start worrying about public relations. This is not the time. This is not the year. 
Well, yeah, it's it, there, there's been more of a backlash to it here than than I think they anticipated. It, it certainly was was sold well. Where they had the you know the panel come back with the recommendations, they had industry there at the news conference saying, hey, you know what, we we can live with this. But uh, I, I think this notion that it was going to uh, smooth the pathway to new pipelines, we're, we're not seeing that. Well, you know, I I would like to think that. Um that when you just try to make nice uh, in, in tough times, uh, you can get your political competitors to go along with you. But oftentimes, when you uh, just uh, play uh, uh, the nice game, what we've called uh, this morning the diplomatic game, you get taken advantage of. You know, we used to talk about the Alberta advantage. I mean, we've got to use the word advantage in a, in a different construct. They are taking advantage of Alberta, and I, that may hurt one's feelings. That may hurt your pride, but it's something that you've got to deal with. It's so true. I mean, the thing about the timing being awful, and I, I don't know why uh, a, a population of voters can't forgive a leader for this, but, I mean, we've got Rachel Notley, who was basically given an extraordinary mandate here in Alberta. I mean, the, the idea of an NDP government was something, Charles, that I imagine you and I were both laughing about right up until Election Day. You know, and it's the same sort of thing that Trudeau is facing down with this promise to spend lavishly into deficit. Meanwhile, the economy simply can't take it right now. This camel's back is sagging, yet here they go. Well, you know, I mean, let's face it. Uh, the, the, the center left and left are always accusing the center right and right of being too ideological, which is just a fancy way of saying too rigid, too fundamentalist in one's thinking, uh, ignoring facts, uh, being irrational. Well, what could possibly be more irrational than kicking the resource industry right now, kicking workers involved in the resource industry? That is ideological. Imposing new taxes now and, and talking about spending more years and burning more millions of dollars every day of possible opportunity by studying the impact of a pipeline on the planet. I, listen, I, I know that those climate diplomats who sat at the table in Paris they love that stuff. It stimulates them. But those people aren't doing anything for our economy. And the economy has to come first. Bread and butter also always has to come first. And so for, for all of this business about how the right wing uh, for years was too ideological, the, the left right now, whether it's uh, the Trudeau left or the Notley left, are being ideological. And they're being ideological at a really, really bad time. You know, I tweeted earlier this morning when the new deficit numbers came out, that, you know, the, the Canadian understatement of the century right now has to be that this is not really a, a good time for untested, unintelligent leadership. Um, yeah, to say the least. You know, is, is there a mechanism here, though? I mean, is there something that you could see that anybody could do? Because... I feel like Alberta has been through this before in the 70s, back when there was this other prime minister of the same name. And, you know, it's it's as though it's Alberta be damned. Like, who cares when all you have to do is secure the votes in Quebec and Ontario to, to be elected? It's just as though uh, we, we have really no choice but to, to get the dirt kicked in our face and to chew it and smile. Well, look, 
look, uh, I, I, I think uh, the, the numbers are what they are, and yes, uh, you, you can be elected without Alberta, but Alberta has to make the case. There are far more people living in Alberta today than there were then, and there are far more people living in Alberta who are from Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, and all over the country and all over the world. It's a, it's a, it's a much more uh, diverse economy, and it's much more diverse in terms of the people working in it. So I think there has to be a way uh, to basically uh, call out uh, the federal government and to, to say to them that it is in their interest. It's their deficits that are looking bad. I mean, every project that Justin Trudeau wants to do in order to get votes in central and eastern Canada, every one of those projects is put at risk by the resources industry not performing as well as it could. So the best thing he could do for himself politically, because you always have to put things in terms of people's self-interest, it, it, it'd be wonderful to think that national leaders only think of the national interest. That tragically just isn't true, and it's certainly not true right now. So the, the case has got to be made uh, to the Prime Minister's government that it's in their interest, and it's in their political interest, to get out of the way. Right, well, Charles, uh, we'll leave it there. People can uh, stay in touch uh, via the web, uh, charlesadler.com. You're on Twitter as well, at Charles Adler, and, of course, uh, on uh, Sirius, uh, Sirius XM Canada. Charles, great to have you with us, as always. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Charles Adler, Sirius XM Satellite Radio, is at Canada Talks 167. Somebody tweeted in right at the end of that a joke. What's the difference between politics and soccer? In soccer, you can use your head. <laughs> It's it's tough for us right now. It just doesn't seem like there's any relief in sight. And the problem with Brad Wall standing up and, and making good comments, saying sound things, is it doesn't do a lick of difference for us. Well, here's the thing. I'll say this, though. You know, the conversation is about the carbon tax. We don't know how, what the carbon tax is going to look like. We, we don't have it yet. Uh, so there, there's a lot we don't know in terms of the implica- how it's going to be implemented, what kind of implications it's going to have, what, what the rebates are going to look like. Right? We don't know all of that yet. Uh, secondly, we, we had a carbon tax before. It wasn't called a carbon tax, but we had what was essentially a carbon tax under the previous government. Uh, so the Notley government has, has made the case that this is a, a simplification of that, uh, which remains to be seen. But uh, again, we, I, I think these are things we need to keep in mind. We, we don't have all the details. We don't know what this is going to look like in practice. And we did have a carbon tax under a PC government. So for the conservatives out there, who don't like the idea of a carbon tax, well, we had one when we had an ostensibly conservative government. So I think we need to keep that in mind. All right. Sorry, go on. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a break right here. And Linda's on the phone, so we're going to get to her phone call uh, right after this. You're listening to Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. All right, 974 some time for your calls. Well, here's some what Rachel Lally said over the weekend. Uh, she went on, on national television and, and urged the federal government to look at the plight of struggling industries in Alberta the same way it's looking at the plight of struggling industries, or one struggling company anyway, in the province of Quebec. So here's Rachel Lally trying to be a champion for Alberta, or Albertans buying it. Let's go to the phone. So we got uh, Linda up first here. Linda, thanks for calling in. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi. Uh, nice to see you back. I appreciate it. <laughs> or hear you back. Uh, I was just going to say something about uh, Roger's comment about uh, the democratic process of the election has taken place, and uh, we are living in this democratic process. So uh, suck it up, kind of. But anyway, um, I, I'm just going to read this, and I, uh, I, which I wrote, uh, and I, I want, well, just hang up after that, but 
My my point is that after elections, we hear the winning party always speak of their mandate as if the voters gave them permission to do whatever the party wants to do. And that's just wrong. A mandate is an instruction given by an electorate to their representatives. They do not have a mandate or the democratic authority to legislate their own agenda that was never proposed when they campaigned for an election. And the immediate offering in this case with the NDP winning, uh, they give a nice plum to the ATA, the first thing, then Bill 8, and especially Bill 6, and the recent attempt uh, attempt, uh, um, at media censorship. So it's not just farmers opposing Bill 6 who have skin in the game in Alberta. We all do. (laughs) This NDP government's intent is clearly reflected in Bill 6 to legislate their own agenda to build unions and grow government in an effort to use the loyalties of those union members and public servants to secure their longevity as a governing party. Okay, well, that's that's prognostication. I mean, if, if you want to go back to the democratic process uh, argument, I'd be pleased to have that one with you. However, I can't predict exactly uh, what Alberta is going to look like at the end of these four years, and I doubt you'd be willing to eat that script if, uh, in fact, that didn't come to fruition. But I'll say this. If you posit that um, uh, they do not have a mandate, this NDP government, then I would put to you that no no government that's been elected in this land has ever had a mandate. Well, some of them have. No, some none. Of them have in, well, what do you in, consider in, to be a mandate? Not in recent years, that's for sure. No, but what do you consider to be a mandate then? A mandate is an instruction given by the electorate no, to no, the no, 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 based no, on what they campaigned and said they would do. Okay, so we expect governments to keep their promises. Exactly. Okay, well, that's that's the same thing, isn't it? And hold them accountable. Right. Okay. So then, this this the government has a mandate to implement its promises, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But when they haven't made made a promise during their campaign and they start working on their own agenda and introducing this as a mandate, that's very wrong. I think that is their agenda. I I, I think we we know what the NDP is about. We've known that for years. Well, that's an assumption that they're going to... That that is an assumption. What we expect, or what I expect, is an, an elected government to offer the things that they promised. Okay, so yeah, that in, following the flood offer, in 2013 to, then, Linda, following yeah. the flood in 2013 then, when uh, uh, the, the province uh, initiated some disaster recovery planning. Um, that's an emergency situation. That's totally different. Well, how is that totally different? A, they they didn't well, promise that during their campaign. It, it's something that came up afterwards. Well, no, hang on a second here. This is very, very important because there were people that lived outside of High River in Calgary who thought to themselves, why are my tax dollars going to this? And furthermore, this PC government never promised that they would be willing to spend this kind of money on forest fires in the north well, when they de- destroyed towns and cities in the south. So where's the line and who's to draw camp, it? I don't expect the party to... to um, imagine what could happen, but I do expect them to, if they are going to do something that is it's outside of the mandate that they promised to deliver when they were campaigning, I do expect consultation with the public. Well, you now, know what, you to me, Linda, the, the, only, the only promise so far that I've seen the NDP break, which I'm glad they did, was this notion that we weren't getting a fair share uh, on royalties, and they decided that, well, maybe we are after all. Everything else, what everything else six? that they campaigned on, they, they've campaigned on this stuff forever. Did they campaign on Bill 6? Did they, they tell farmers that they were going to legislate? Uh, they've been calling for that for years. That well, was no they, surprise at all. It, I don't recall hearing it, and maybe I just missed it. We'll that, go back but, and look, but just because they called for it doesn't mean it's a good idea. But, that, that, but that's beside the point here. They, they've called for that for years. 
Roger, if I, I'm just saying, if they were genuinely acting on behalf of all the people, well, they're not. There would always be consultation for to act but, in the best Linda. interest in the people affected. But they're but not. But to how, that to that, that end, this kind of government that this okay. But hang on, Linda, you've made very, very good points. I'm just sorry to to cut you off now, but we are out of time. The news to 1030 is next, and I thank you very much. And and I've never suggested that they're acting on behalf of all Albertans. They're acting on behalf of the Albertans who elected them. But on the other side of that coin is how many Albertans are going into NDP uh, MLA constituency offices and taking part in the public process, because that's why those offices are there. Uh, we'll take a break. The news to 1030 is next. And when we come back, uh, more time for your phone calls. And we'll hear uh, from Premier Rachel Notley uh, some comments she made over the weekend. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. Looking at Alberta through new eyes. Roger Kincaid, Rob Breckenridge. News Talk 770's new morning tandem. Exclusively on Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back, Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. I'm going to talk about Uber uh, coming up after 11 o'clock. This new ride-sharing bylaw before City Council today. Uber says uh, just not going to work. They can't. They can't operate uh, under those kinds of conditions. Uh, they're urging uh, City Council to um, kind of go back to the drawing board. We'll hear from them after 11 o'clock. Uh, Rachel Notley, uh, we've been talking about Alberta's premier and, uh, you know, Charles Adler drawing the contrast between uh, Brad Wall and Rachel Notley making the case that Brad Wall seems to be at the, at the moment kind of the, the West's champion, uh, championing of the cause of Saskatchewan and by default, I guess, kind of standing up for Alberta. And, and where is Alberta's premier? Is, is Rachel Notley prepared to, to provide that kind of leadership? You remember how Charles was, was referring to how, uh, She's playing nice, trying to play this nice diplomatic game. And when you do that, you get taken advantage of. Listen to this clip uh, about the uh, the carbon tax. Uh, so so our Premier Notley outlines you know, what, what, what she's got in mind for this carbon tax, what the implementation might look like on a, on a pretty uh, uh, high-level basis, and then uh, discusses Justin Trudeau's musings about, uh, about the same thing. So this is Premier Rachel Notley uh, from CTV this weekend. The government is now also looking at a $15 carbon tax do you support this well you know we as you know we we uh, announced uh, that we'll be introducing a carbon levy of twenty dollars a ton in january 1st moving to 30 uh in, by january 1st uh, 218 and and so that's what we're doing because we believe that will help us uh, transition to a greener economy reduce emissions and fund much of the innovation that needs to take place to help us reduce the emissions in the oil sands um, this work that the government's talking about with respect to a potential floor price i think as long as it i think it's uh, a, an, uh, an idea worth discussing and of course i think it's something that needs to take into account the work that has been done in other jurisdictions or in each jurisdiction across the country over the last many years. So uh, with that in place, I think it shows potential, but there's certainly a, a good deal of discussion that needs to still take place. Like that's a nice way of saying, well, you know, uh, the, yeah, what, what did you say there? It's worth talking about, but it needs to take into consideration that we've already put our own tax in, just like many other places have done. That's a nice way of saying, uh, no, bad idea, because we're already trying to do this. We don't need the feds to do it as well. Well, that was one of the arguments. Better to to have a made in Alberta policy than to have something imposed by by Ottawa. And if you know if the government didn't move on that policy, that would give the feds an excuse to say, look, Alberta's not doing it on their own. We need to step in and do it for them. Uh, but I think the fear here is that uh, well, this this might backfire. That uh, we've implemented our own carbon tax uh, with the hope that it would discourage Ottawa from doing so. But Alberta, Ottawa may end up piling on here. 
and and or Ottawa may end up piling on here and imposing one anyway. <laughs> that just reminded me when we were talking to Charles Adler about half an hour ago, and he kept talking about uh, the pylon, right? It's the pylon. It's this great pylon. I thought somebody might just like turn on the radio and think that he's describing our prime minister by calling him a pylon. <laughs> well, that's because we're doing the pylon thing. Um, so th- there's more here. Now, the, the big question, I think, that is uh, a bit of a burr under the saddle of many, many in Albertan is this Bombardier bailout. I have no idea why. I mean, look, do you remember a time when there was a prime minister who was criticized because uh, he bought and sold shares in an automaker? He's pretty much had his hand forced on this one. And the federal government bought some stake in a private company or publicly traded company. Now, there's a lot of conservatives like me who thought this is a horrible idea. And it's not something that it's not not the business that a government should ever be in. The government shouldn't be in the business of business. Yet here we have a major Quebec business looking to their prime minister now and saying, hey, how about a a billion dollars for Bombardier? And the the obvious question is, look, why not uh, spread a billion dollars around a couple of oil companies as well if it's going to save a job or two? So, Premier Notley, Alberta has lost something in the neighborhood of 100,000 jobs since the plunge in oil prices. The federal government is now talking about uh, bailing out uh, to about $1 billion bombardier. What kind of bailout do you want from Ottawa? What do you need? Well, basically what we've said to Ottawa thus far, and, and, and you know, I, I, this is not by any means an exhaustive list, but at this point, we're looking really for, for three key areas of support from them in, in the shorter term. The first, as I've outlined before, is that we need them to, to look at a, a, a fast-paced adjustment to the issue of EI so that we can expand eligibility and, and eligibility for the length of claims. Uh, as you probably know, that in Alberta, both of those measures are short than any other part of the the country and obviously we have families in Alberta that that need that support now. The second thing of course that we're looking for is is, uh, robust infrastructure funding uh, injection here in the province as we to work together with the work that we're doing as a provincial government in terms of um, serving as a shock absorber and and putting more money into our economy to to build up the infrastructure that's been ignored for many, many years while at the same time providing uh, more jobs. And then, of course, the third thing, which is absolutely fundamental, and this is not a handout. What this is is simply good governance. It is long past the time that we as a country um, enhance our capacity uh, to have a, a nationwide energy infrastructure so that we can get our product to the best market available to us, so that we are an integrated and progressive energy producer that does so intelligently and attracts the investment that we need to maintain um, internationally. So that's something that's critical for the federal government, and it's a point that uh, I never stop making. We can be environmentally responsible, but we absolutely have to get our product to Tidewater. We cannot be uh, vulnerable to a customer that has now become our competitor. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, there's a lot there. Can I take you back to the year 2010 in Vancouver? There was this uh, sports uh, festival. What do they call that? Um Oh, yeah, the uh, Winter Olympics. That's what I'm thinking of. I yeah. had WrestleMania in my mind. But we we had this idea, right? No longer will Canadians be embarrassed to do well in competition. Okay, no longer will Canadians shy away from something that uh, uh, some people think that Americans should be ashamed of, which is saying we're the best in the world and we're going to prove it. 
Rachel Notley right there. I, I get the whole thing about trying to be respectful to your, your colleagues, your peers, uh, fellow politicians and stuff like that. But boy, oh boy, when, when asked this particular question. So Premier Notley, Alberta has lost something in the neighborhood of 100,000 jobs since the plunge in oil prices. The federal government is now talking about uh, bailing out uh, to about $1 billion bombardier. That's a, this is an opportunity for Rachel Notley to tell the story that Alberta needs the rest of Canada to hear. You basically say, look, the states makes a whole bunch of oil right now. Okay, they're not going to be buying our oil, but there are other countries that will buy our oil. And if you like things like equalization payments, hospital schools, the entire social safety net that we've got in this country called Canada, then we desperately need to get our oil to countries that aren't the United States of America. We don't want to bail out. We don't even want to talk about equalization. We just want the rest of this country to recognize that a pipeline is going to be good for all of us. So Bombardier, get your billion dollars. That's great build some airplanes and pollute the skies with jet fuel do it all you want we'd be more than happy to mine it from the ground for you but in the meantime could you build a straw that spans this country so that we don't all go broke on good feelings that's what needs to be said right and that's the case that needs to be made i I think rachel notley seems to be setting herself up that she can be the one to make that case because she's the one who's doing all these things uh that the uh, you know the the big thinkers out east say needs to be done so her argument is that look we're going to do those things they're not going to have that excuse anymore they're going to have no choice but to say well okay uh you know you've called our bluff you've done these things you wanted us to do i I guess we're we're on your side now that that isn't happening and it's it's naive to think that it is so it's it's an attempt here to, to be that national leader, but uh, I think it's falling short. Let's take a break here. We're going to come back. More time for your calls. 974-8255 is a number. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. 974-8255. Get some phone calls in here. Uh, Owen, thanks for the call, Owen. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. So I just want to comment about Bombardier and picking winners and losers. Now, Bombardier has gone to the federal government 80 times in the last 50 years and gotten money. They are just bad business, and the only reason they do that is because they know they're based in Quebec and that the feds are going to give them money. So, you know, they just bought Lougheed. Lougheed Aircraft spent billions and billions of dollars, and now they're lay off 7,000 people and look, federal government, we need money. Well, then why did they buy Lougheed? They're just not even a viable company, and we're we're pissing away Billions, billions of dollars. Now, CPP was heavily invested in uh, uh, a junior oil company, right? And uh, now they're gone. So all that CPP money is gone. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny how the government picks, how, how they pick winners and losers. You know, I think that, look, I mean, the the oil's here in Alberta. Oil uh, exists under the ground in Alberta. Alberta is going to have an oil industry, right? I mean, it's a question of how successful it's going to be, how strong it's going to be. But I I guess, you know, the thing is that that there's this this artificial notion that Quebec should have an aerospace industry, that it's it's not existing organically, that, that it has to be artificially created and sustained. And that's why it's such an easy sell to, well... If you want a, if you want an aerospace industry in Quebec, well, you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pony up, and, and governments keep falling for it. Well, and and you know one of the other things I wanted to mention is is we import over sixty percent of the oil in Canada, and if, and if the federal government, we should just make it illegal to import oil into Canada and just use our own resources to supply our own people. At least go that far, because we have no reason to be bringing in over sixty percent of the oil that Canadians use 
from and and you know it, it's from countries that have no job uh, protection, no people protection, no human rights, no nothing. Well, and America, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Thank, thanks a yeah. lot for the phone call, Owen. Re- really appreciate. It. I mean, I don't know if I want to see my government go so far as to make doing certain types of business illegal, and furthermore. I mean, imagine the consequence of that overnight. I mean, if you want to get the pipelines built and then uh, make the argument, well, that's one thing altogether. But, I mean, do we really want to jam the rails to to try to fill that supply uh, gap that's left behind when we outlaw bringing ships full of oil in on the coast? Right, yeah. I mean, it's it's hypocritical that, that we import so much oil, that it comes in by either by, by ship or by pipeline, and, and we seem to be so concerned about uh, ships and pipelines uh, carrying our own oil, exporting our oil. Uh, the pipelines are not going to get built overnight. I think we need to keep that in mind. I mean, Justin Trudeau could come out tomorrow and say, you know what, I'm going to make sure Energy East happens. I've decided it's got to happen. I'm going to make sure it happens. What does that change right now? Not much. I, I mean, I certainly think we need Energy East, and we need other pipelines, and let's hope that this government's not going to put up more obstacles to those happening. Uh, but they're not going to happen overnight, even under the best-case scenario. All right, nine seven four eight two five five. want to hear from you. Uh, your text message is also 77770. Steve, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, if the goal is to get us to Tidewater, since when does China give a flying Frenchman about our carbon footprint? So what is the purpose of the $20 a ton tax. And in grade school, in 1976, before we became stupid, I was taught that one hectare of land consumes seven and a half tons of CO2, converting it back into oxygen. We have two million square miles of boreal forest. It's right there on Wiki for anyone to look up. That's four times more CO2 we absorb than we produce. There is no country in the world other than Russia that has two million square miles of carbon-eating forest. I, I will never understand this conversation unless we were told a big fat lie in grade school that uh, trees don't do what... You know, Mother Nature's been doing this for millions of years for free. <laughs> She's also belching methane out of the sea, too, right? Uh, Steve, thanks very much for the phone call. Um, yeah, I, I get Steve's point, and I think that that there needs to be a bit of a, a bit of a conversation around that. I mean, I, I think at its simplest level, to go back to something Noah said about bringing oil in on ships. I mean, why are we intensifying the, the carbon footprint uh, by bringing oil in from the other side of the planet? It doesn't make any sense. And you've even got America that's getting pretty hip to this. I mean, America knows that the more they produce, the more energy self-sufficient they are, and you know they've seen a, a dramatic increase in their oil production. So. For Americans to be getting on board with this, like, let's leave that dirty Canadian oil at home. Um, since we know that it's not that dirty, why don't we mine our own oil and use it? Why don't we uh, drill for our own oil and use it? Why don't we get on board with that American mentality? Let's get another call in here before we uh, take another break. This is Stan. Stan, go ahead. Hey, hi, guys. You know what I'd like to ask you, and maybe somebody can look into it. I've never really heard what the... The heavy oil coming from Alberta is really turned into. My thought is primarily asphalt and tar, but I've never really heard what's the market. Like we say, everybody wants to buy it, everybody wants to ship it somewhere, but really, what does it? What does it produce? What does bitumen produce? Well, you know, like oil is just not oil. There's so many different uh, kinds of it. Ours is very heavy. To ship ours through a pipeline. We have to bring in uh, really lightweight oils and, and solvents, 
Yeah. Mix them in so it'll it's flowable. Yeah, dilute. And then we have to bring all that solvent back. Yep. But you know what what is tar sand oil really uh, used for? Well, it's kind of a broad I answer, mean, we, isn't it? I mean, listen, I, the, the answer is not one thing. The answer is many, many things. It's refined. Well, you know, can you ask somebody that that's uh, well, marketing we it? Well, we know what happens. Oh yeah, it's everything, man. We we know that that. Uh, no, you, you 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 don't turn it into gasoline. It's too heavy. I think it's primarily asphalt and tar, like for roads, paving roads, doing roofs, that, making shingles. That was Lahid's dream, right? That we would just take the bitumen and put it right on the streets and make it that. But well, no, what about all the refineries refine in Alberta, Stan? Yeah. Uh, the refineries, uh, refinery row in Edmonton. Well, you can, you know, you can. Where, uh, where are they getting their oil then? You can use uh, uh, catalytic, uh, you know, breakdown systems and 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 uh, keep breaking it down into you know shorter and shorter molecules, but. Uh, you know, right now, to, to ship that stuff anywhere around the world, like the, the price of the, the crude oil doesn't even pay for the cost of getting it there. I mean, I know the economy has gone way, way down, and that doesn't make sense why it's happening like this. But I'm not entirely. I'm sorry, Stan. You've confused me. I'm not entirely sure what you're asking. You're asking what the what the end product of bitumen is. Yeah, what, what, you know? Well, plastics like, and, and bitumen. And, I mean, are you going to get on your axles for? For a lubricant? No, you <laughs> I get, I, I get you now. Th- thanks very much for, yeah. the, for the call, Stan. No, it's refined into different products. That's the point, including gasoline. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I think uh, he's, uh, it's, you just put a shovel in the ground, get your bitumen, then take it to the guy who breaks it apart and makes other stuff with it. I think that's how it works. Yeah. Let's take a break here. We're going to come back. We'll set up our next hour for you. Stay with us. Hey, welcome back. You know, you. I don't know if you noticed it, but you said Alberta, Stan. In the last segment, yeah. When Stan was on the phone, he said, well, in Alberta, Stan. Alberta, the siege continues. Brought back great memories. Well, we are in Alberta, Stan. Hey, by the way, Alberta, Stan is going to have a fourth area code. Oh, wow. Starting in April, April 9th. You ready for it? Want to know what it is? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Guess. Uh, One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nope, try again. Uh, 825. 825. Now, does this mean i got to dial 825-403-974-8255? Uh, goodness, I hope not. And by the way, if this really is Alberta Stan, shouldn't we have one area code? Heck, shouldn't we have one phone number for us all? Uh, that would be fair. Comrade, use the phone. Like, I know when I'm dialing 780, i got to dial 1. But every time I see 587, uh, yeah. like, what is that, long distance? Is it not? So now we got 825 starting in uh, in April. Uh, same thing. I don't know how that's going to work. Do I got to dial a one? I don't know. Can Can you move a commercial to the next half hour so I can bust off a rant here? Because, the, look, the thing about the dialing one, you know when you dial one and then, or you don't dial one and then the operator says, the number you're calling is long distance, dial one. Figure it out. You know what I was trying to do. <laughs> Can't you just connect the call? Why do you got to ridicule me? Thank you. Rant over. News to 11 o'clock is next.